Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. Aaron Bronstetter, Bazooka, Joe Valtellini. Talking about everything that's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. We'll have the interview show for you, I believe, tomorrow or Thursday. We'll get that uh, up on wherever you find this podcast, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, any of those podcast platforms. Well, Joe, how are you this uh, this afternoon? I'm pretty good. Uh, just got uh, a little bit of positive news here in Ontario that uh, in Toronto, we got to wait another week after the 20-day, uh, eight-day period. But uh, it looks like after November 14th, uh, gyms in Toronto can start opening up back to where we were before this little restriction period. So there's some positivity for me today. Yeah, the number's still sky high, though, on a daily basis. So hopefully those uh, turn the corner as well. Yeah, I'm just sitting there. I'm not a guy of politics, and but uh, every day I'm listening to the news, waiting for updates uh, from Premier Ford there. I just uh, Right now we're having to, to operate a little differently, very small, very – like we're only about 10 people in the building. So it's, it's very tough to run a, a successful uh, program and a, a successful gym. But in a couple of weeks we'll be back and blasted out again. Well, it's not really following politics. It's more following what your business can and can't do, which as a yeah. business owner I'm sure is important to you. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of politics in that decision, so that's why I'm calling it political. So, uh, But yeah, I'm just uh, – I've been – a lot of people have said I've been – I've been moody and cranky. I'm not going to lie. I've been a little bit crankier than usual, snapping at people a little bit more easy here at the gym. But uh I think overall, I've handled this uh, COVID pretty good. I mean, keep hearing gym yes, gym no, you're allowed 20 people, no 10 people, no social distance, yes, social circles. But uh, usually my patience would have been thin, but I've been uh, trying to stay positive through it. Well, I, feel bad. I feel bad for all those with bruises on their legs that are walking around the gym uh, as a result of you snapping on them. I can't because I have to stay six feet from them, so I can't even low kick them. So no, well, they've I can't even out. low kick them. They've locked yeah, out. so they're lucky. Yeah, they're yeah. the lucky. It's ones, just verbal abuse yeah. rather than physical abuse. That's it. So I'm hoping yeah. uh, my frustration is all into Malcolm Gordon, and then uh, I'm hoping November 28th we take out that frustration on his opponent there. Yeah, I guess that fight was uh, officially announced this this past week uh, on UFC Asia's uh, Twitter platform. So it's uh, Malcolm Gordon against uh, Sumaderji, and that's. On November 28th. So there you go. And you'll be going to Vegas for that one? Yeah. Um, uh, we're going out a little earlier, get some good training, get some nice weather out there. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really dialed in. We had been training twice a day since the last fight. I mean, this is uh, – you're looking – you're going to see a different Malcolm Gordon too. Like, not only has he improved, uh, you know, technically and, and cleaning up those holes, but our strength and conditioning program has taken off. Like his legs look big. You're going to see a different frame, different structure, more durability. And you're looking at a real big difference in him. And I just hope that uh, this fight allows him to show it because he deserves it. You're bringing in uh, anybody from the gym that uh, could jump onto a contender series on short notice. Anybody coming along with you that might uh, might be able to, to get, get in on that if there's an opportunity? Mm -hmm. I hope so. I have a 155er that's going to be in the corner. He's Malcolm's uh, training partner and uh, does his nutrition, Matt Spichel. So we'll see. We'll see. We got Ruby Get him there, a visa. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he needs his P1 visa, I believe, in order to get into the U.S. Yeah. anyways. So he, he might be good. All right. Well, there you he go. Matt Spech might be uh, getting in on, uh, on the contender series. We'll have to see uh, how that goes. But, uh, you know, I, I don't I even know what so. weight classes are competing in the upcoming week. So I couldn't tell you whether or not yeah. uh, there's even a spot. It's just nice to think about it. Absolutely. It's nice to have that option. Yeah. But, I mean, I have someone, I know someone competing. I think it's week two of the Dana White Contender Series. She's a longtime friend of mine, uh, Stephanie Frosto. Oh, okay. So, when, uh, when did yeah. she get a, she get a spot on that? She got a spot, I heard, a couple months ago. But it's uh, I think it's week two on this little run here. Mm -hmm. Canadian? So I'm or American? No, she's from, uh, she's from uh, CSA Gym out in uh, oh. Dublin, California. Okay. Okay, with cool. uh, Kieran Fitzgibbons. So she's honestly like she's been a, a friend of mine and the team and her sister fought in glory, um, the Frosto sisters. And her sister is actually the first Bellator champion, female champion, uh, Zoila Frosto. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm, I'm familiar with her for sure. Um, yeah. Well, interesting. Uh, interestingly enough, I noticed that uh, Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya are both in Las Vegas right now because Alex Pereira is uh, cornering Glover Teixeira and he just yeah. punched down in Vegas and Israel's there for his buddy on Contender Series tomorrow. Yeah, Alex Pereira has been gunning for uh, Izzy. I mean, you got to think they fought twice in kickboxing, and uh, you know Alex Pereira's got two wins over him. 
Yeah. And one of them being a nasty knockout. Again, on Israel's credit, like Israel was winning the fight before Pereira caught him. But still, the name of the game is the knockout. And um, I just I'm excited to see it because I genuinely believe the way you beat Adesanya is you got to be a little bit of a better striker than him. I think um, they say a better wrestler, but we've sent better wrestlers in against them and they haven't been able to take them down or do anything. So I, I personally believe it takes a better striker than him. You got to outclass him on the feet. And there's very, very, very few people in the world that can hang with him on the feet. And Pereira is one of them. So I'm hoping, I mean, I'm sure there's a little beef and uh, I know Alex wants his spot, but uh, Pereira signed with LFA. Uh, oh, I didn't Glory's know that. Yeah, uh, Pereira signed with LFA. Glory allowed him to have two fights outside of his Glory contract. So that's my understanding right now. Interesting. Well, let's uh, let's see how that goes for uh, Alex Pereira. Well, um, let's go from uh, actually before we do that. Is while we're on the topic of Israel, it looks like his next challenge is going to be Jan Blahovic, chance to become yeah. a two division champion in the UFC. Yeah, were you shocked with that? Uh, I mean, a lot Not of people all. were anticipating. <laughs> and it, honestly, it makes sense when you look at the bigger picture of things. And I'm sure you'll explain it for us. But uh, why not, man? Why not? I'm all for it. It seems to be a thing now. In order to solidify yourself as this great champion in, in, in 2020, you have to have two belts. And this is the time if he's ever going to do it. I mean, it's now. Well, I've been saying it all along. It, it makes so much sense because... Like I said, if you surveyed every UFC fighter, and it's not a knock on Jan Blahovic, but if you ask them who the easiest champion to beat is right now, I think that at least 80% of them would say Jan Blahovic. So now you've got somebody who a lot of people think is going to be a, an easy matchup, I think, for Israel, although Jan Blahovic has... A lot of people have thought Jan Blahovic was going to be an easy battle for them, like he was a big underdog against Reyes, and he's been able yep. to get it done, right? So you don't want to write off Jan Blahovic, but if Israel is able to secure a second title, that fight with John Jones has astronomical marketability yeah i think it's a mistake to to take yan and just kind of look at him as a pushover i think yan has something about him he's got that like man strength to him like he doesn't look polish power yeah it's not as much elusive and and quick it's just more of this blunt force power you know where i mean i i could see him being able to walk in on one or two of izzy's shots and then being able to get inside and throw some of his own and he's also a bigger boy let's see if he can kind of pin izzy against the cage maybe threaten some takedowns but i think it would be a mistake to kind of write uh bohovich off yes i agree that it's the easiest fight for izzy but being bigger it's it's 20 pounds it's not like any other weight division where it's you know 15 pounds you're talking about 20 pounds I'm guessing Israel maybe walks around 215, 210, 215, I would, I would guess. Well, you got to think Jan's probably walking around, what, 230? Oh, at least. You know, so he's at least 15, 20 pounds of solid muscle bigger than Izzy. And I don't consider Izzy a big middleweight either. So you know, no, I'm interested to not. see it. Yeah, I mean, look at him next to Paulo Costa, right? Like, although Paulo Costa cuts probably more weight than he should also. But uh, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. You look at... Uh, at that particular matchup, and if he can become a two-division champion, you put him and Jones in a stadium, and man, like that could be a, just a, a gigantic fight for the UFC. And you know, Dana said that Robert Whitaker said he didn't want the shot, but I, Robert Whitaker's come out and said, "Hey, I, I never said that." <laughs> so yeah. I don't know where he got that from, but I, I just don't think Robert Whitaker was as jazzed about the fight as I think Dana White would have liked to see. He wasn't say, you know, calling his number. He wasn't saying, "Yeah, I need, I need this one back." He was saying, "Okay, well, if you know that's what it's going to be, then that's what it's going to be." And I don't think that Dana White was too keen on. Uh, on Whitaker not, I guess you know, being really stoked about getting that rematch against uh, against Israel. So, we uh, we move from the best middleweight right now to the best middleweight of all time, Anderson Silva, after that uh, performance against Uriah Hall uh, this past weekend, and it's kind of a tale of two careers for Anderson. You look at when he joined the UFC, uh, basically from when he joined until t- 2013 was what 16 and 0. Yeah, I think 16-0. And then from there, he's only won one fight. He won that one fight against Derek Brunson, a decision where I think a lot of people thought it should have gone the other way. Um, so basically for the last seven years, he's got one win under his belt. Um, he had that fight with uh, Nick Diaz overturned, uh, which would have been a win on his record. But uh, yeah, it, it's tough to watch because I think we we discussed this last week, but unless you watched Anderson Silva when he was Anderson Silva, I don't think you really understand just how special this guy was. And I think a lot of the newer fans of the sport kind of, you know, scoff at the idea of him being one of the all-time greats. But uh, it's weird when you see how someone's legacy can change so much based on, you know, their their late career fights. Yeah. I mean, I didn't overly enjoy the fight because I I don't feel like Hall was – 
Hall was kind of like the perfect matchup for this fight, I feel. Because, I mean, you look at Hall fight in the past. I mean, he doesn't have output. He doesn't go for it. He's not... I think we knew going into that that Hall wasn't just going to go in there and be aggressive and try to blast out um, Silva. But I just think it's the fight that made Silva look better. I mean, if you put in a young, hungry, you know, killer in there with, with Silva, I think they go right after him and they put a beating on him. So I think Hall, what did he throw, like 11 strikes? That's what Dana White said. It was actually more than that. But Dana White said it was yeah. 11 strikes in the second round. But it, it, it ended up being more than that. Nothing significant, nothing, you know, going out there to take risks. But we saw Silva take a few risks, and that, I think, what opened up the fight. When he got aggressive, started moving, fainting, trying to, like, bring some confusion to the fight, that's where Hall had to pick it up a bit. But, yeah, I mean, I just think it's time. I mean, I don't I'm, – I'm always torn with a fighter like Silva. Like, if your health is okay, right, and, I mean, you have to think about – um, you know, head injuries, body is okay. You can fix the body. But if his head's fine, I mean, I don't understand why a lot of guys are, if you're not fighting for a title, you should retire. I don't, I don't think it should be like that. It's a lot of fighters in this world. We're talking about the greatest here, but if he can compete with lower level guys, not getting injured, like what's, why can't a 45 year old make a payday? Like we still like seeing him. We still like seeing him compete. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with like him wanting to continue to compete. And should it affect his legacy? It really shouldn't. If anything, like he's 45 years old. Who's doing this at 45 years old at the level yeah, he, he won, has? He won so two rounds on one of the judges' scorecards. Yeah, and so there is some positivity to it. But the man's making a paycheck doing what he loves at 45 years old, taking minimal shots. I mean, yes, he can't take a shot like he used to. I mean, probably in the olden days, a lot of those shots he took and he would have laughed off. But... He's still doing his thing, making a good payday, supporting his family, doing what he loves. So, I mean, that's uh, that's Admiral right there for me. And it's a true martial artist. But uh, it's just when you see them, the guys that take too many headshots, like the Diego Sanchez's, and like those start to wear me. But Anderson didn't take that many big, big shots, I would say, in his career. There's a couple of them. But overall, I think for brain health, he did pretty good. You know, I'm with you 100% on this. I'm the last person that's going to say so-and-so should retire. It's not my decision. You know, these are, these are adults we're talking about here. They, they can make a decision that they feel is right for them at that time. Nobody likes walking away from the game. You know, everybody probably feels that they can win any fight that's, that's put in front of them at whatever age. These are fighters. These are people that want to do this. For, this is their life. He, caught, he said martial arts is his heir. That's the way that yeah. I think a lot of these fighters feel. And not everybody is going to go the route that you took, Joe, where you, where you look at your, your brain health and you put that paramount. A lot of people just want to fight because they love doing it. And it's not that you don't yeah. love doing it, but you are also concerned about the long-term ramifications. You look at the science behind it. Not everybody will do that. But either way, I don't think that it's anybody's right to make that decision for an individual. If, if somebody, you know, if somebody has, has taken a lot of damage and you know, it's, it's time to walk away, them and their family and their management team, those are the people that are around them that I think can contribute to that decision. But I think for us as people that cover the sport to go and say, well, Anderson Silva's done. He, he's done what he says he's done. And I think that any yeah. fighter should, should uh, be given that kind of leeway. You know, we, we admire these people. I think we, we want them to retire because we don't want to see them. It affect their long-term health. That's why I think a lot of people say that they should retire. And, and I think that it's okay to say, uh, I think it's time. For, I think it's, a fighter should retire. But it's not our decision to make. And I think that we need to be more respectful of the of the fighter making a decision that suits them at that point in time. And Anderson Silva, from what he showed this past weekend, I think he still can compete against lower-level lower middleweights, Bellator-level middleweights, uh, even unranked middleweights in the UFC. I think that he can compete with a lot of them. Um, but the problem with Anderson Silva and his late career legacy is Anderson Silva's legacy was built on timing. And his timing is gone. It's not the same timing as it once was. He's getting hit with shots yeah. that he never would have gotten hit with when he was 34, 35 years old. Even Daniel Cormier came out and said this week, you know, he didn't want to give credit to John Jones, but John Jones said Cormier's boxing defense isn't what it used to be. And at the time when you are competing, you'll never admit to yourself that your timing is not the same as it once was. But if Anderson Silva were to go and watch tape of him versus Bond or him versus Forrest Griffin versus him versus now Uriah Hall, him versus Jared Cannonier, it's not the same. And if you don't have the thing that made you what you were, 
you have to take a, a long look at that and, and make the decision that you think is right for you. And if you, if you say, hey, this version of me can still compete with this level of fighter, I still want to face this level of fighter, I don't think that we have the right to tell them what they can and cannot do. And I, and I hope that Dana White stays true to his word and will actually outright cut Anderson Silva and allow him to compete in other organizations if that's what the other organizations want to do. Yeah. And, and the one thing that really surprised me, it's like he kept saying, like, um, this is this may be my last fight in the UFC. But like he's been pretty vocal and I don't think it's a, a wrong move where like he's been talking about boxing with Roy Jones Jr. And like he's been talking like that. I think that something like that would be incredible for him. You think like what Tyson is doing with Roy Jones Jr. All of a sudden he joins that league, gets a few celebrity boxing fights. I think that's where he can continue to do what he loves, make big money, keep his name going. I mean, that's some positivity. I mean, for some of the retired guys to, to still compete at their level and you know, make good some paydays because we don't want to see guys getting desperate to make money now where like, you know, some of the, the crazier things that, you know, you might have to do and then take big risks. But I mean, there's some options for him. And I just like that, you know, he's humble, true martial artist and his brain's still there. So let the man go. I'd like to see a promotion start. Uh, I'd like to see a promotion rather start up that's based on older fighters, that's based on veteran fighters. This is something Vitor Belfort has talked about before. Three three-minute rounds, adjusted rules, adjusted yeah. judging, and, and you know cater it to an older uh, fighting demographic. Where well, maybe not demographic of a viewer, but an older fighter that's that's a veteran. Different rules. Maybe you allow TRT. You allow certain things that uh, some of these fighters are probably you know a lot of fighters in their forties are prescribed TRT or people in their forties rather, not fighters, yeah. just general pop- population in their forties, fifties are prescribed. TRT. I remember talking to Fabricio Verdum a couple years ago, and he said, "I wish that we could still use TRT because it would help my overall health as somebody in their in in their forties, right?" So yeah, yeah. you think about it that way, and I think it's difficult for us to, I, like, I think it's difficult for us to tell these people that they should no longer make a living at what they're great at. But I feel like if we can come up with a way for them to make that living, maybe adjusted skill set, adjusted rules. Maybe that would be entertaining, and maybe it would also be something yeah. that a lot of these older fighters can do without that much of a risk of long-term health. Yeah, all of us are going to watch Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. I am. You mean way out of their prime? We just want to see, you know. Do you think it'll be sad to watch? To compete. <laughs> I don't know. From what I'm seeing on the pads, they both look pretty sharp. They both look pretty good. I just think the sadness is going to be that it'll be like more of a sparring match. We're going to be watching a sparring match. I feel. Yeah, and I think they have to wear headgear. My understanding is they're wearing headgear. I think I think I don't know. I've been. It that seems like the rules keep changing. Right it, it seems like things just keep yeah. changing. All the terms of this and the rules of this. Who knows? Yeah. But it's uh, a fight. It's not a fight. Headgear, yeah. no headgear. Like so, I don't know. But regardless what the rules are, we'll all be tuned in. So I mean, something like that for retired guys, I think, would be phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any other results that we can talk about. The Feely versus. Um, Bryce Mitchell was uh, an interesting fight. I thought that Feely just didn't look himself in that fight, and I thought Bryce Mitchell looked like a way better version of him. So I think those two things combined for a, a great night for Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, Bryce, uh, I was uh, I was actually thought Bryce Mitchell was going to do a little bit more damage on the ground, but I thought Feely did a pretty good job at defending the takedown, but just not being able to do enough. You know, I mean, I think Feely was just so worried about being taken down the whole fight that he couldn't really unfold and be himself, but... I, don't, I wouldn't have said it was the most impressive for Bryce Mitchell, but I still think he's on his way. And what kind of makes me think now is what is the next step for someone like Bryce Mitchell? Like, how do you and where do you take him from here? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to give him a top 15, top 10 guy. I mean, I, I just thought his – the thing that impressed me the most was his wrestling. His wrestling has improved so much. Like, Feely has a wrestling background. And Mitchell was able to take him down pretty much at will. And if you're able to take people down and you have those kind of submission skills like Bryce Mitchell has, he's going to be a really tough guy. That featherweight division just keeps getting more and more stacked. So uh, I'm interested to see how, how that all goes down. And I know I heard that Calvin Cater has uh, something coming up, that he's got a big fight coming up. I don't know against who, but I saw that Zabit is also starting a training camp. So that rematch, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe that will be on the card with uh, that, that uh, Malcolm's on. There's no main event, I don't believe, that's been announced for that card. Is, that, is there? I thought... My understanding it was Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. Oh yeah, yeah, that was announced, right? Curt- it wasn't Curtis Blades. Yeah, it's Curtis it? Blades. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. maybe that is a, there is a main event announced for that. Yeah, one. I think it's Lewis and Curtis Blades. My understanding. That's a, that's a great main event. Yeah, it's nice. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know, but for Bryce Mitchell, I'm trying to think, like, who do you see now that – because I still want to see him develop, but, like, like a Barboza? Would that would be a great fight. Would, I like that one. That's a good idea. Is it too much for – is it too much? I don't know. I don't think so. I think if I think Feely and Barboza are on, kind of, like, on a similar level. Dan Ige, I think, would be an interesting one. Um, yeah. There's, like, that, that kind of level of, of featherweight, guys that are on the cusp of the top ten. I think like we yeah. we can we can fast track him there. You know, what would be a, an interesting one is him versus Ryan Hall. Just if you look at the submission skills, I think that would be a really fun fight if you could put that together. Yeah, I mean, I see a few names. I mean, there's uh, Sadiq Yusuf. That'd be a tough one. Yeah, he's a striker, but he can kind of use. Yeah, there's some names. I, I just when I look at the top five, top six, I think he's gonna have a real tough time. Yeah, I don't think he should get in there. I think it's kind of that second tier of, of featherweights that I think would be interesting. To, to watch him up against. Yeah. I'm like, even they have Kelvin Cater at number six now. They put uh, Korean Zombie ahead of him. Well, the Korean Zombie probably got bumped down, if anything. Probably yeah. moved yeah. down to that spot because he was, I think, ranked number two or something at some point in mm-hmm. time. So, But yeah. I was hearing rumors. Like, I don't know. I've, uh, I mean, I haven't really talked to Kelvin about it, but I was hoping it was going to be Holloway, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's another one. That he said it's that a big fight. That would have fast him to, uh, you know, more of a title. But, uh, yeah, I have no clue. But, I mean, either Zabit or Holloway, they both, a win kind of puts them, you know, in for a title shot. Yeah, for sure. So, well, I guess... What's going on with Yair Rodriguez? What's up with him? He was supposed to face Zabit, and I think he got injured again. I think he like he tore his MCL. I don't know what I don't know exactly what it is. Don't quote me on him tearing his MCL. I, I just know he got a bad injury okay. again. So I don't know if he's going to be ready to fight against Zabit this year. But it seems like that fight that's like the uh, Khabib versus Tony of the featherweight division is uh, Zabit versus Yair Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Seems to yeah, never happen. It's not coming through. It's sad that Zabit hasn't us. fought this year. I want to see Zabit compete. Yeah, me too. I mean, I just he has so much hype that length, and I just think he's awkward and tough for anyone. So, um, yeah, let's get him going. Let's get him going. Yeah. So but, Bry- uh, Bryce Mitchell gets that win, and uh, I, th- I was actually very impressed with the evolution of Greg Hardy's game. I thought I think that Greg Hardy every time out kind of makes these incremental improvements that make him look good, and uh, I thought his ability to go to the ground with Maurice Green, who who has been able to sub people off of his back, the the fact that he was able to evade danger and uh, and and utilize a ground game is something kind of new for for Greg Hardy. Yeah, I mean, I was a little upset because Maurice is my boy. Um, you know, he's fought with Glory a few times, and I'm uh, I'm a recipient. He made a hat for me. I don't know if I mentioned you have, he's the yeah. crochet boss. Yeah, so I mean, bittersweet for me. But uh, I mean, I know he was complaining about an early stoppage. I thought the stoppage was right. He was taking some big shots. Hardy's massive on top of him. But uh, yeah, I thought Maurice's green off his back. Um, would have been done a little uh, more jujitsu threat, but uh, I just think Hardy's just so big, so strong. Even if you try like a triangle attempt from your back, he's just going to pound you out, you know. So I just think his size is going to be a problem. But you're talking about a, a phenomenal athlete. Like if you're if you're going to play in the NFL, you're a phenomenal athlete. He's learning this MMA game really well. He's confident. He's not scared to fight big names. We saw that with Volkov, and I think after that Volkov fight, he just kept developing confidence to now keep stepping in his way up slowly and uh, surely we'll see him uh, near the top soon i think yeah well it's interesting he was actually almost going to withdraw from that fight two hours before it happened because apparently somebody was trying to get money out of him i, I don't know exactly what the full story is he was talking about this after the fact that he was thinking of pulling out that uh, someone had come back into his life that was trying to extort money from him and in the post-fight press conference he was talking about how he was an innocent man i've never been guilty of anything i don't know if he wants to go down this road like i, I just yeah. don't think it's a smart move for him to get back into this whole thing that I, it seemed like a lot of people had kind of at this stage of his career, it's always been something that's loomed over him, but it seems like he's been able to kind of move on with his life in terms of his athletic career and, and continue to fight. But if more information starts coming out about his past and it, it's gnarly stuff, uh, it's not a good look for him. And I think that, yeah. that bringing that into you know his interviews and bringing it into when he's addressing the media, it's like, it's just inviting more people to, figure out yeah. what's what's going gone on with him and, and i think that if he really wants to put that part of his life behind him you know he can try to move forward but the, the more that it comes up the more that we're gonna you know if we find out more information about him it's not gonna be uh i don't think it's gonna be good for him i don't think that it's gonna yeah. be uh, you know to come out and say i'm innocent certainly inv- invites people to bring up the evidence that is out there that is not good evidence that's that yeah, supports I mean... his claims yeah, he's just got to sit there and almost, you know, just, you know, plead the fifth. 
you know? Just and that's kind of what he was out. doing before. He should, you know? I mean, that's kind of. I, I don't know if he should. I mean, I think I think people would like him a lot more if he was showed some accountability for if he did do something. I don't want to accuse him of anything, but if 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 he did do something in his past, it's better to uh, to confront it than run from it. I think that that anybody yeah. who shows accountability will earn public favor. But if you if you keep denying and denying and denying, and people keep coming forward with evidence, it just it's not, you know, it's it certainly does not make people want to cheer for you or want you to succeed they would they would prefer that if you've done bad things in your past and you don't you aren't accountable for them they would like for you to fail and i think that that is anybody's right that that if you if you are trying to present evidence that you have if you're coming out and saying hey i'm innocent and you don't really have anything to support that maybe he does i don't know but uh, i don't think that that's uh, a very smart thing to do if if you are in fact guilty of what you've done yeah, I, I just don't think he'll ever be able to dodge it. It's it's a real, you know, it's a it's a big accusation. Like, I mean, that's something that people don't take lightly. It's similar with like child abuse and pedophilia. Like, it's something that's going to always be surrounding whether he did it or not. I just think it's something he has to deal with. But, you know, part of it's right. Like, just be classy about it. Be respectful. You don't have to be angry. But just if you're, you know, if you didn't do it, just tell us you didn't do it and just give us some well, that's facts. He, and that's what he's doing, but on. it seems like there's overwhelming evidence that something happened. I mean, just because he was eventually, he, first off, I believe he was found guilty and then it was overturned for some reason. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened with his case. So I don't really want to speak on that, but um, for him to come out and just say, I'm an innocent man. It's like the supporting, like you need to come up with some sort of supporting evidence for that. Now, is this kind of, I know we're talking about him, right? So does this kind of help him? You bring attention no. to him, whether no. you want no. to see him. Lose. I don't. I don't think you this. Think it's, I don't it's think this attention helps him at all. Yeah. Because of, because apparently be it, apparently it really bothers him, and that's why he was going to withdraw two hours before. And he doesn't like when people bring this up with him. Um, and it actually like I heard Rashad Evans talking about it on, um, Morning Combat. He was filling in for Luke Thomas, who was just on Joe Rogan's show, actually. Um basically came out and said like because he he trains Greg Hardy and says Greg Hardy like takes a lot of the stuff to heart. It's like, yeah. well that's you know, if you have some sort of evidence that you're not coming forward with and you think that you can clear your name, then by all means try to clear your name. But from what the from the evidence that is out there, it's certainly gonna be difficult for him to convince people that there was nothing done wrong. Yeah. And, and, and listen he, and I mean listen, he, Dana White brought him in and said you know they, they were going to give him a second chance at life. He's got a family right now. He's got kids and a wife, and that that's all great. And I I think that like you know if he wants to move forward with his life, he has every right to do that. But I still think that a degree of accountability is important in terms of how the public perceives him and in terms of whether people are more open to him having having a second chance. Well, I just think it's the situation, and we're in a generation of social media trolls and. I almost think it's impossible for whether he tells you something, you're going to have people who believe it or not. I just think it's a it's a forever cycle that it's a losing battle. Yeah, and that's kind of formed an opinion. That's kind of the point that I'm trying to make is like anytime he brings it up on his own, it's like it's going to just be an impediment for him if he's actually trying to move forward with his life and and live a good life and be a good person. Bringing that up and then denying it is certainly not going to help. (laughs) It's not going to help his own mental well-being. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyhow, this weekend, we have a Canadian in the, in the co-main event. Tanner Bozer taking on Andre Arlovsky. Yeah. The fight was postponed, and now, now we have it, November the 7th. We've got, uh, I think that right now, Tanner Bozer's a guy that I believe Canadians can really get behind. Um, he's very outspoken, which I like. He's And he's just, first and foremost, he's just a very Canadian guy. <laughs> which, yeah. like, he looks kind of like this hockey player, like, and uh, just this blue-collar Canadian. And I think, I think the Canadian public can really get behind him. And it's funny, too, because I've listened to a few different media outlets on him, and they just keep talking about his personality. And it's kind of like when you think of someone with personality outside of fighting, you think of someone who's charismatic, loud. You think of someone who's very social. I don't get any of that from Tanner Bozer. I see kind of like more monotone, like funny in like uh, his own little sense of humor. It's probably only his boys get his humor, like (laughs) – I don't see a personality that they talk about, but I love his fighting style. I love the missing tooth. 
I love the I'm calm, I'm humble, I'm a martial artist. Oh, he's I starting to become he's pretty outspoken, undersized. though. He's getting, but he's getting to be a little bit saying? outspoken. Well, I mean, he uh, people were calling him out for saying that he should move down to light heavyweight, and he's like, "What's wrong with you people? Like, I'm not moving down to light heavyweight." He's, he's like, "Look at the champion. The champion weighs the same as me in the division. Like, it makes no sense for you to like." He he's been pretty outspoken about things, and uh, I'm trying to remember. I watched an interview with him today, or... and he was commenting on all kinds of different things. Uh, he he was saying that he was calling people online like online trolls. He was ripping them because they were sending him uh, mean messages about his training partner KB Buller, who lost his fight, and and yeah, he was yeah. firing back at them. So it's just, I thought it was just uh, it's interesting to hear him speak his mind, and I think that's going to enamor people to him also because he's just a very honest guy and he's very outspoken yeah. now. So you, you're kind of right. Like when he first came to the UFC, I think he was a little bit quieter and a little bit more subdued, and now he's starting to really speak his mind about things, and I think people are starting yeah. to enjoy that about him. Well, I think, you know, he's in a good position. Um, a lot of people are talking about him as a next potential threat. I mean, that's unreal to hear, man. We haven't, have we ever had a heavyweight Canadian? That's uh, what I'm trying to think. Yeah, Tim Hague. Have we had, may he rest in peace. Well, okay, yeah. Um, uh, outside of him, have we ever had big Canadians in the heavyweight division? I'm trying to think. There was another one. I'm just trying to remember who it was. The Canadian heavyweight in the UFC. Um, Ryan Jimbo. He, he was, was a light uh, heavyweight. Light heavy. Yeah. Hmm. I know there's Fair one more. I'm looking it up right now because I'm. It's gonna bother me. Uh. But that would have been a bigger name. You're saying? Who? I mean, Gary Goodrich. You can talk about Gary. Yeah, Goodrich. Gary Goodrich. There you go. Um, I don't know. I feel like there were there were more Canadians that were that were heavy. I know there was one more, and I just can't remember what their name is. I like I could picture them. But yeah, Tim Hague mm. is one of the ones that comes to mind, of course. Uh, Tanner, but yeah, not a whole lot of them. I mean, to to I mean, Misha's a light heavyweight, but not a lot of yeah. uh, of heavyweights. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, I think it's fun, and I just think he's a technical heavyweight. And so the way he moves, the way he stand switches, the way he puts things together, I mean, it's just fun. And uh, I'm I'm predicting a finish. I think Tanner gets a finish in round one or two. I mean, I'm hoping it's not like a Uriah Hall situation. And I don't see, you know, Bozer being like that. I think Bozer kind of goes right after the legs of Arlovsky. And, I mean, I love to say a heavyweight kick the legs. And he moves. He, he focuses his game plan on using low kicks and then setting up big bombs and stance switching. So, I mean, I'm, I'm all for Bozer. Hopefully he gets an early finish, gets some attention. But I'm still a little worried when he gets to the top of the division. But he's proven me wrong and just... You know, getting better every time, it seems. By the way, KB Buller, big fan of yours. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I just realized the other day, too, like, I saw posted something, I saw that he liked it, I was like, is that the same Buller that I saw? <laughs> then boom, and then I, I saw that he followed me, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's, uh, he said he'd love to come train with you sometime, so, uh... Heck yeah. Another Even kid. Jordan messaged me again yesterday. Oh, did he? Yeah, he, uh, he posted, yeah, on his story, on his Instagram story, he posted that he was watching and studying my YouTube videos. So I appreciated that, and I said, hey, man, maybe one day we do it in person. And he goes, it would be an honor. So I'm hoping one day that uh, me and the Jordan brothers can uh, put something together because it would be fun. Yeah, just uh, just make sure that uh, Tony Laramie's not in the gym at the same time. That's the Canadian Canadian blood the, feud, the Jordan, the Jordans oh, versus the, the, uh, the uh, Laramies. I'm not sure if there's actually bad blood there, but uh, those guys have fought. That was, fun, that was the TKO rivalry. Yeah. yeah, it might be fun then to get them together. <laughs> Well, I, I, I honestly think I think that TJ's future is at bantamweight. I don't think that he wants. To, I don't think he should stick around the featherweight division. I think he. I think his skill set is a lot more well suited to bantamweight, and I feel like he could make that cut. Yeah, and uh, Tony's a one twenty five. Yeah, believe, Tony's right? a twenty five er, yeah. but so is Louis Jordan. Louis Jordan is a twenty five er slash thirty five er. So perfect, brother yeah. versus brother. Exactly. I think they fought already, they haven't they? I'm trying to remember. I, I'm pretty sure. That I think they did. I know. I know. I Charles and TJ have fought. Yes, and I TJ think... beat him or no? God, I I gotta look this up because I always get them confused. Like Alex Morgan is another guy that's fought everybody there. Let's see, Charles Jordan. I, I'm pretty sure he did fight TJ and lost to TJ. If I'm not Jordan mistaken, Jordan was a two division champion with TKO. Yeah, he was. He beat uh, uh, Tyler Taylor Lapolis or the other Lapolis brother. He beat the other Lapolis uh, brother. His name, I the Lapolis. Yeah, yeah, that was his last one. Yeah, and that then, was the one, uh, he won the interim championship. Yeah, he lost the to one TJ. that was crazy. Do you want to know he was so you know who he was booked to fight? I don't know if you even know. At one point, it was supposed to be Jordan versus Ronson. Yeah, I remember that, and that that was, was supposed Ronson to be pulled out and Lapolis. Ended up filling in, and that yeah, was for the interim championship. Was, oh, Damian Lapis. That would have been that would have been crazy. 
Yeah. I don't know if I would have liked to have seen that, but I mean, I just think Ronson's huge. Ronson's a huge lightweight. Yeah. Massive lightweight. He just fought welterweight. Yeah, and he might, and he might stay and at he welterweight. And he got a knockout, you know, and yeah. he got a knockout. So, I mean, that wouldn't have been the smartest of fights, but I, I'm sure that was their way to get Jordan to the UFC, right? They usually have to fight like an ex-UFCer, and then uh, that's how they get in. Yeah, and TJ Laramie, uh, he lost to TJ Laramie in December of 2017. Mm. Damn. Yeah, so they they have they have fought before. I'm sure that it's all behind them, but uh, that was that was the uh, the the rivalry. It was the Jordans and the uh, the Laramies. Yeah. It's a, and Louis it's Jordan Louis Jordan beat Tony Laramie. Yeah. In July of 2017. Okay. And uh, yeah, Tony's 125, but he would have had to fight Malcolm, and Malcolm was the champ there. So I'm sure they and they're friends and training partners. So I don't think they would have fought, but. Still, nice little history there, Canadian history we dropped. Yeah, no TKO events this year, unfortunately. I know Stefan Patry had some health issues. Hopefully he's doing yeah. a little bit better, but uh, we'll have to see what the, the future of... Uh, uh, there just has, has not been a lot of regional MMA out east this year. There's nothing. There's a, there's a few shows happening that we kind of reached out to some of my guys because I'm trying to get Matt Special fight. I'm trying to get uh, um, one of my other fighters there, Prince. Oh, reach out to um, Elias. Elias is co-promoting one of them. Yeah, maybe I should because I mean yeah. we're looking to find and get those guys a few fights to try to keep them active. BTC um, decided that they're going to put on some shows, but the first one they announced, I think, like well, tentatively, is March of next year. Oh, okay, so, so there's not year. much for local fighters. A lot of the a lot of the gyms are closing down. I know two like big MMA gyms in the the province have shut down because of COVID. Like, I shut just down, heard shut Justin down? Bruckman's. Yeah, my understanding is uh, Parabellum had issues with their rent and the lease. I don't know. So Parabellum is shut down. Wow. So that's, uh, that's, that's one that's of big Canada's gym. biggest hot, uh, you know, hotbeds for all of our local fighters. Um, you mean you got Josh Hill there, Scott Hudson, you have mm-hmm. Surhe. You know I mean, you got a whole bunch of guys out there. And I mean, uh, but... Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, those guys are now all fighting with Linden and trying to get fights elsewhere. And uh, Tur- Niagara Top Team seems to be. And then Justin Bruckman's gym apparently just shut down again here in Oshawa. So it's it's crazy. This COVID's really killing the, the local scene. We didn't have a strong scene before, and this is just making things a lot more difficult. Yeah, and I guess the government doesn't have that much more that they can give to these businesses. And, uh, yeah, it's a really tough situation yeah. for sure. And uh, I, I do hope that a lot of these gyms can get a second chance once once things uh get a little bit a little bit better but these circumstances are not great like even i drive by my local martial arts gym and i look and it's just like there's barely anybody there and yeah it's just difficult yeah they yeah. just can't right and and a lot of people rely on that for their fitness their health and fitness so i gotta get my bag set up and then start uh start working on it down here myself because i gotta i'm starting to get my little dad bod going and i gotta gotta get out of that Uh-oh. gotta go from dad bod to rad rad bod Rad bod, that's yeah. the line. Dad to rad. It is now. Uh, yeah, let's start it. Let's see it. We got the uh, well. Once maybe once it gets to rad bod, I can I can make customize the shirt. Otherwise, it'll just be ironic when I when I'm rocking that with Dad the uh, to rad with yeah with the rad bod. Uh, so uh, main event: Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira. Uh, this is a really interesting one because Teixeira has been really hot as of late, and uh, Tiago Santos is coming off a very long layoff. His last fight was against John Jones, so. Um, when I see Teixeira as a plus 200 underdog, I think that that's fantastic value if you're, if you're looking at this card. That being said, we've seen Teixeira get crumbled before by big hitters, and uh, that's what Thiago Santos is. Yeah, I mean, but uh, who knows how Santos will do, like, I mean, with the pressure of Teixeira. Could he take him down? Like, we've seen, you know, Glover just walk through big punches and just kind of take you down and smash you. I mean, Santos being out with the knee problem, I mean... It, it might not be a bad idea to put a little bit of money as an underdog on Teixeira, I believe. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the other one I was really surprised to see as an underdog is Claudia Gadelia, an underdog against uh, Jan Shaunan. I think that's uh, an interesting uh, situation because Gadelia has been training with Mark Henry, and it seems like she hasn't looked great in her recent fights. I know she had that decision over Angela Hill, which I don't think she should have won. But that being said, the more she trains with Mark Henry, the more comfortable she's going to get and and the better she's going to get. And I've, I've never been super high on Yan Xiaonan. I, I, I feel like Gedalia, in, as an underdog there, is a great spot for her. Yeah, would, would you say using her wrestling would be the key in this one? Uh, yeah, I think if she uses her wrestling, it'll be good. And I think that her striking is getting better too. I like. I think she has Xiaonan beaten just about anywhere. So I'm surprised uh, at that particular line as well. Um, and then... 
you just look at this main card overall, and it's quite good. Like, Alexander Romanov against uh, Marcos Rogerio is a great fight. Uh, Heinish versus Brendan Allen. I'm really looking forward to that one. That's an awesome fight. Um, yeah. Shaunan versus Gadelia is a good one. And Bozer Arlovsky, I love as a co-main event. In the main event, I'm really eager to see Tiago Santos and uh, Glover Zajero. I feel bad for both these guys, though, because yeah. A, Glover just turned 41. So his his best days are behind him, but he's still he's fighting great. And Tiago Santos, who who was the last person to beat Jan Bojovic, I believe, now he you know he has that opportunity to go and fight Bojovic again. And now Israel's sneaking in there, right? So Israel's kind of jumping the line for both those guys for whoever wins this fight. So I feel bad for both of them because they're both in uh, not great circumstances. Well, I thought at one point this was officially the number one contender fight. I don't yeah, know if it was actually me. said, but it still could be. I mean, you got to think. These guys are older now. How old is Santos, by the way? Do I think we know? Santos is like thirty-five. Mid thirties. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not—they're not spring chickens. They're not really young. So, I mean, a quick turnover wouldn't really make sense for these guys. So, it's not a big deal for them to fight now. I believe Izzy and Bohovic is set for February-ish. Yeah, I think I, I think it's February or March is what they're targeting, but nothing's done yet. So Mar- February, March, April, May. So the next possible time would be May, June, probably, probably in June if uh, the winner gets. Which these guys probably fight, you know, once a year, anyways, if if anything. Yeah, I think t- this is Teixeira's second fight or third fight this year. Well, Santos Santos is usually more active, but he's been injured. This is uh, Glover's second fight this year. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's usually more active, Santos. He's just been injured. And Santos is 37. So they're kind of both on the wrong side of 30. And, uh, well, I mean, Teixeira's in his 40s now. So yeah. it's it's interesting to see what happens in this fight. But I, I agree with you. I feel like whoever was going to win this fight was going to be the next uh, person to face Blahovic. And now Israel's kind of jumped that queue. But I still think it, it doesn't – the winner will still probably be next. I mean, it just may have to be a little longer till they get that shot, but it, it makes sense. I mean, it, unless Dominic Reyes does something spectacular in between, but I can't see that happening. And uh, well, yeah, Reyes, I mean, Reyes is going to be fighting uh, Yuri Prokhashka in, in January, which is another one that I think has implications on the division. Huh. All right. Well, I still, regardless, I think both of these guys, uh, you know, the winner should get a shot. I mean, they put so much time in the sport, the dedication. Um, you got to think how how well Santos did against John Jones and Teixeira built his way up. So I think regardless, um, either guy should deserve a shot in the future. All right, Ultimate Fighter is apparently going to be rebooted early next year. Do you have uh, a choice for coaches? If you could choose the coaches for the uh, Ultimate Fighter, who would it be? I was I was completely wrong. I I I, I thought again. I thought it would have been fun to have like Kelvin Cater. That was my uh, rumor that I heard, but. I, if they're going to usually, I think they're bantamweight and midweights. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't necessarily so, matter, though, with the coach. The coach can be any weight class. One, well, one person I proposed. Hope, I like Kelvin Cater. I heard a great, a great proposition was uh, TJ Dillashaw and Uriah Faber as coaches. I thought that was a great idea. Okay, and yeah. Then the other one I like would be Stipe and Francis. Like, why not build up that fight a little bit more? Yeah, I just think personality-wise, those guys aren't the greatest. No, that would, there would be no drama it with just, those guys. It feels like. Nagano is like, even when he's talking, he's very short with his answers. I mean, English isn't his first language. He's not that comfortable, but I don't see him having the personality to be able to coach a big room like that. Mm-hmm. But that would be fun regardless. I just want to see more of, uh, you know, Nagano. I just think he's a fun character to watch. What would be the most fun pairing for coaches? Like, I was thinking like Khazmat, Shemaev, and Mike Perry as coaches would be like amazing just yeah, for would... entertainment value. Just give me your entertainment value pick. Do you have one? Who who, who are two a... personalities you'd like to see? What about... Uh... You could Colby Masvidal. That would be fun. Oh, Connor would be fun to be on the show. Yeah, Connor's not doing the show. I know, but it would be fun to have that excitement <laughs> of him doing it. But I like I like Israel. I like Izzy. I like Izzy to run a show because I mean he's got a good coaching. Izzy John fun. Jones would be amazing, but I don't think that that aligns for timing. Uh, but I, I'm just looking at characters right now, and I think Izzy would be actually good on the show. Oh yeah, if you could get uh, Izzy Masvidal and John Jones in there, it'd be, be great. Fun. Yeah, Masvidal Colby would be amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. You need security though. They, oh yeah, that would that would that would be that would be up there. I mean, I yeah, I mean. It's tough because I'm trying to look at someone who would actually be a good coach too, on top of the excitement factor, you know. Yeah, but they bring I, their I teams. Like they bring their coaching teams coach. with them, though. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, but I mean, like, I'm kind of thinking in my biased perspective, like, who would be a good coach that I'd want to see kind of coach? But I know they don't show that part. James Krause. did a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, Krause for sure, yeah. <laughs> He'd probably be the best, obviously. James Krause and Joaquin Buckley. Guys. That would be fun. Those guys don't like each other. All right, they don't fight. I just don't know who Joaquin Buckley would be. I don't know how much of a coach Joaquin Buckley would be. What about uh, Darren Till would be pretty good on it. Darren Till would be a lot he'd of fun. Be a, he'd, he'd be a fun character to put on. And who's another 85er? Uh, I guess he's fighting Jack Hermanson. Well, if him and Izzy were matched up, maybe yeah, that could have been a fun that'd one. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it could be different. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for the show to come back, honestly. I like the show. And a lot of people give the show flack and all that, but it seems like a lot of good fighters have come out of the show. If you look at who the the champions have been, um, they, they've still had a lot of good talent come come from the Ultimate Fighter. You can't deny that. Yeah, I mean, when was the last season? The last How season was, was it? It was last year, I think. Was it last year or two years ago? No, I think it would have been the end of 2018. Okay, not too crazy. And the winner was Juan Espino from the heavyweights. That was the one where Maurice Green was on the show hucking cigarettes outside. Uh, <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, it was Juan Espino. I'm trying to remember who the other champion uh, from that one was. I can't remember. Just too many. Yeah, there's too many. But I, I just think it's not like uh, a lot of the guys coming out there now, you don't really see them do as much as we did in the past almost. Like, I don't know, like the original winners were like became like real big stars in the company. I just don't think the show is producing the stars like they did in the past. You know, well, the so problem I is, just why would you put your guy difficult. on the show? Like, if you could get your 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 client like on it. Contender Series, one and done, they don't have to leave their family for whatever of six weeks or whatever it is. Why wouldn't you just do that? Like, if if you if you had a client and they came up to you and or and you came up to them and said, "Hey, what would you rather do? You want to go on Contender Series for one week, or you want to go and live in an Ultimate Fighter house for six weeks?" Yeah. I mean, if yeah. they have a family, I mean, they're probably going to do Contender I like Series. The one fight. But, I mean, if you think about the bigger picture of being on TV for, I don't know, how well, many that's weeks, you can promote 10 yourself. weeks and promote yourself, show your character more. And I think that's positive uh, in that way. But, uh, I mean, I don't even love the contender series for, for a fighter. I mean, the chances are, like, if you go in and you're matched up with someone that they you're kind of like, because let's be honest, there's a lot of times we're like, oh, this is the hot prospect. Let's match him up someone favorable. Right, because yeah. they want that hot prospect to go in. So if you're getting matched with this next hot prospect, like you're one and done basically. Yeah, you got your one shot, but if you go, you get smashed like the UFC wanted. And then are they going to call you back? Who knows? You know, so that might be your one and done shot ever to the UFC. We have seen people go have to go back to the regional scene, win a couple fights, but it kind of prolongs the process. And sometimes it's the end of the process, the end of the road for some fighters. So I don't personally love it because one bad day means you might never get to the show again. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, like Anthony kind Romero, of torn for example. Between Romero just happened to be facing a really durable guy, right? Like Romero was yeah. doing what he could to try to, to, to win that fight and put the guy out. But, you know, yeah. you, you end up with a durable yeah. opponent and there's not much you can do. But I just think that he won dominantly. He looked sharp. Didn't take many hits. I think he's one or two fights away from a, a last-minute fight or something. So I don't think I, – I guarantee we'll, we'll see that kid because he did phenomenal. He did well. All right, before you go, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Diego Lima – not Diego Lima, Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima, Douglas Lima. against uh, Musasi. Did you get a chance to watch that? I did. I mean, Musasi's just a big boy. Yeah, I mean, he's just exactly too big, it. too strong. He's just, he's just a big boy, and I think – this double champ thing has worked out for some people, but a lot of times it can be really, really bad for you. I mean, Roy McDonald took a beating, you know, and I mean, we didn't see Lima take as big of a beating, but still like size and weight classes are there for a difference. And it kind of like, this is where Israel, it can be a bad night for Israel. I mean, that weight and that size difference, but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Lima. I think he fights tough, but Big size, laying on you, fatiguing you. You can't do much. Yeah, and Lima, the problem is he was a little bit too gun-shy because of the, the once he got taken down by Musasi, he wasn't getting up. Musasi, like you said, just much bigger, good grappler. So once he got top position, I don't think Lima wanted to be there. So then Lima has to be very picky with what attacks he's willing to throw. Well, I, I this, is, this one upsets me a little bit. You get Corey Anderson who's fighting yeah. in the top of the division at the UFC. Yeah. And you're going to, who's known for his wrestling and his grappling and again, knockout power. And you're putting him against an old Melvin Manhoff. <laughs> I do not understand that move from Bellator. I really don't. Cause I think Corey Anderson's your next champion. 
Yeah, I, mean, are you, I know you're easing him up, but that's almost like a, an insult. Nice for Anderson maybe to get a nice payday, but come on. Melvin Manhoff is way beyond his prime. Doesn't grapple. This week? Known for his striking. I think it's, yeah, this it's in weekend. two days. I think it's in two days. Yeah. What are Pretty the odds sure. on I that? Just, I am, I oh, am yeah. absolutely. And Corey Anderson's a minus it. 485 favorite. I would have thought more. I would have thought minus 1,000 minimum. <laughs> Weigh-ins are, yeah. like, weigh are in like 18 hours. Uh, yeah. I would have thought literally Corey Anderson would have been a minus 1,000. Yeah. Like, so, come on. Like, so you're not siding with your, your kickboxing brethren, Melvin Manhoff? I can't. No, I can't. Maybe Manhoff earlier, Manhoff. Like, but now? It like, seems like Manhoff keeps Manhoff winning Manhoff fights. Trains. Manhoff is 44. I mean, and what are his last? He's won two in a row. But they're against Yannick Bahadi and Kent Kalpinen. And I don't know who either of those guys are. Do you know who they Neither are? Neither do I. Never. Never heard of them in my life. Kent Kalpinen sounds made up. <laughs> Did that fight happen? I, I just, I've recently, like, again, being a part of the kickboxing world for so many years now and at the highest levels, I've hung out with Manhoff's training partners, Manhoff's coaches. Like, I've been around, and that man is a wild man. A wild man. I don't want to speak on it, and I will not speak on it, but I just know he's a wild man, and I've heard stories. I can mention one of them, but uh, literally, like, he would literally go out the night before, like, it's a regular day drinking, and forget that he has to fight the next day because he's partying, or, like, then he'd wake up and, like, Melvin, you got to fight in one hour. Just put his gloves on, hungover, go in and just knock people out. <laughs> like, that's his whole career. And then he was just the wildest man of partying. And I think he's got like six or seven kids with six or seven different women. Like, he's a wild man. That's all I can well, this say. This could be the, his wild last man. fight. So, uh, everybody <laughs> tune in, anyone, I guess. Anywhere, anytime. Melvin Manhoff is the definition of fearless warrior fighter. Like, from the days of him being a... Like you want to talk about a small heavyweight? He's a small heavyweight fighting guys like Semi Shield, yeah. Alistair Overeem. He's probably two hundred pounds, just knocking these. And there was no weight class. You could be three hundred pounds back in the day, and he was sitting there and is coming out with a dog collar leash and like <laughs> yeah, gladiator shorts and just fighting anyone, anywhere, anytime. Like I mean, that's like your old school. I can't believe he's still doing it. It's the fun career. <laughs> Yeah. Fun career to go back it, and watch. Not caring, just going and just scrapping. If anyone wants to watch some fun fights, watch some old Melvin Manhoff in Japan. For sure, Ooh. yeah. Those those fights were awesome from back in the day. Unreal. But even his fight was who was it with uh, Lawler with the last minute? Yeah, fight? yeah. Or was it Scott Smith? Was it Scott Smith? Uh, or was it Lawler? For Manhoff, was it was it Scott Manhoff was, was it Scott Smith was it Scott Smith and uh, low kicks? Strung with low I kicks. thought it was Scott Skiff and Manhoff. So he Manhoff lost. was pounding him, beating him up, and then uh, it was like a Which promotion was it? Century. it oh, was, no, it was uh, Robbie Lawler. Oh, no, Robbie Lawler was first round. The first round knockout. Yeah, it must have been, but Robbie Lawler was taking a beating in that round, and then all of a sudden, one punch, boom, knocked out Manhoff. Like crazy. Like, yeah. Lawler was taking a beating. Lawler was taking a beating until one shot. Yeah. I would rewatch it because it was nuts. He's got 49 mixed crazy. martial arts fights. Then you and look at his kickboxing record. Kickboxing record. It says he has 100. documented his 52, but it's got to be more than that. Uh, way, way more than that. He fights. He has his own show called WFL, I think. World Fight League in yeah. Holland. And he was fighting on it recently. I think he fought recently against Remy Bonyaski yeah. last yeah, year. Yeah, that's what it says his last fight was. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy man. Yeah, he crazy, fought, he, crazy. He fought Remy Oh, it was 2017. It was a while ago, but it was the WFL. Yeah, like you said, and he, he yeah, won a decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm telling you, he's uh, just a different man, different, built differently than most of us. Well, I know you got to get going, Joe. Thanks for this. Appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll we'll catch up next week. We'll talk. We'll talk soon.